0: All right. Welcome everyone. This is Father Jacob here at uh, the Red Hawk Revival Miami University here in Ohio. And we're super excited today to have in Jason Everett. Welcome, Jason. Great to have you today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Welcome. So uh, welcome to the Sheepdogs podcast here. We also have uh, some students here today. We have you guys want to introduce
1: yourselves?
2: Yes, my name is Maria Almeida. I'm a junior here at Miami. And... Okay.
1: Yeah, my name is Rory O'Brien. I'm a freshman here. Uh, my name is Nate Burdick. I am a sophomore.
2: Okay.
0: Great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, everyone for being here. Thank you, especially Jason. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, we're super excited for you to to come and speak uh, in the spring. Um, yeah. But uh, how have you been? What's been going on lately?
2: Uh, keeping busy. Just got back from Australia this weekend. So I was out there speaking in Sydney uh, to high school and college students out there. It was a busy trip, two and a half days, 11 talks, and then home. So, But yeah. I got to feed a kangaroo and see a koala face-to-face. So it was a fun trip.
0: Nice, nice. That's great. Well, it's finals week here.
1: Uh, what have you guys been up to this week? Um, studying. Studying. Writing papers. Writing papers, yeah. Probably for exams and just trying to make time for everything. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, weren't you just in the middle of a sword fight, too? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. went Kevin, the campus minister, and I went to Walmart pick some things up for the Newman Center, and um for White Elephant, Roy got a um one of these little plastic plastic swords. He didn't buy two, and so I like just in the back of my mind is like, I remember that he got these from Walmart, so I ran back to the toy section like I was eleven years old, and picked out like (laughs) these two plastic swords, and I came in and started beating Roy with these little um foam plastic swords and I threw him one we had a sword fight and then there we go and then we broke one so that was that was (laughs) great yeah they're like four bucks so they're pretty cheaply made
2: I've got eight kids so that pretty much sounds like our daily life here
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: prepping for exams here at mine. (laughs) it
0: totally reminds me probably how uh dating started in the early days of chivalry right I mean, you had to like win the sword fight probably to ask the girl out, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Like
2: our <laughs> or to cap- capture a wife or something like that. No. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work like nowadays. I won then.
1: <laughs> I beat you in round two. So,
0: great. Awesome. Well, we're super excited. Of course, Jason uh, is coming uh, the week before Ash Wednesday. So, February 22nd here to Miami. And the topic is going to be College Dating 101. Mm. And uh, yeah, so super excited to have you here. Certainly, I've been a fan uh, for a while. Uh, I know we've given out your books on uh, male and female recently. And then I've read uh, Saint-Jean-Paul the Great. Some of the guys really got into that, uh, the men and women last year, two years ago. So uh, very grateful for your work. And uh, yeah, do you guys have any questions you want to ask, Jason? Like dating questions? Yeah, questions
1: or whatever you got. Yeah, something about dating or maybe his talk or... Yeah. Well um if you if if you are able to just like like a quick like summary of like your testimony and like kind of like how like you've gotten into like what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I was raised in a Catholic family in high school, you know, went to church, but didn't really get into church. I was kind of sitting on the fence quite a bit. Um, it was real lucky to end up at Franciscan University, uh, where I my my faith really deepened there with the type of friends I had and the professors. Um, and, and it was from that experience at Franciscan University that I started doing mission work in this area. Uh, I was leading high school retreats. And on the retreats, the high school kids really opened up to me about all their struggles in this area And I realized like they just had no guidance when it came to human love and chastity and relationships. At the same time, I was doing sidewalk counseling uh, at an abortion clinic in Pittsburgh. And I did that for three years. And I just started feeling really late. Like, okay, I'm meeting this woman and she's 24 years old and she's getting an abortion in 45 minutes. Like, why am I meeting her now? you know, when she's going to have an abortion within an hour. Why couldn't I have met her when she was 16 years old? Because maybe if she learned about chastity then, she never would have dated this guy to begin with and be in this difficult situation today. And so I kind of felt like I was throwing sandbags on the banks of a flooded river when there's a dam broken a quarter mile upstream and if I could just get up there and plug that thing then instead of focusing all my energy on the supply of abortion we could actually deal with the demand for it which is unchastity and so those two experiences of being in the high school retreats and then doing the crisis pregnancy counseling made me realize how important this message of chastity was and started learning about john paul ii's theology of the body his book love and Responsibility started digesting that and kind of sharing that with the young people I was speaking to. And it, it seemed like the light bulb just went on for them because the way that he explains chastity as it relates to human love, how it makes love possible and how it makes you realize who loves you and who's using you. Um, uh, it, it really was, it was a refresh, refreshing way for the young people to hear it, not as a condemnation, but as a calling of authentic love. And so I started doing that in college and, uh, it snowballed pretty quickly to the point where, uh, you know, I was doing a hundred thousand students a year after college and I've been doing it for uh, 26 years now, full-time.
0: Wow. Praise God! Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that.
1: Um, so my biggest question would be like in college, like it's hard to maintain chastity a lot of times. So yeah. what
2: are your biggest tips um, for someone to maintain chastity within college? Uh, One, I would propose it's a lot harder to not maintain chastity. Uh, And what I mean by that is you you think of, you know, like a girl right now, let's say she's 21 years old. She's in the dorm. She hooked up with a guy on Friday night um, and she's wondering, okay, am I pregnant? Is that kind of guy going to share pictures of me? Is he going to tell everyone what I just did? What if I get some STD from that guy? What if I never hear back from him? I feel like God, you know, is he going to forgive me for this? What if my parents find out? That's a lot harder than if she just said no to the guy. And then he didn't text her again. Like unchastity to me is a lot more difficult than chastity is. But granted, on the front end, chastity is more difficult because you're having to practice self-restraint. You're having to say no. You're kind of limiting your dating pool in the sense that if you lower your standards low enough, I mean, anybody's allowed in, uh, you know, to the relationship or the lack thereof. Whereas if you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm waiting for my future wife. You know, I want to love my bride before I meet her, and I'm not going to give myself to a woman with my body unless I've given myself to her in marriage. That's that's a higher sacrifice to pay up front, but there's payoff to it. It's just like I don't have to worry about regret and STDs, unwanted pregnancy, and feeling used and the the guilt of using someone else. And so, if you if you want to live it out, I would say one, check your motives. Am I doing this because I feel shameful if I don't? Am I doing it because I'm afraid of getting pregnant? To me, those reasons aren't really that substantial. The the reason should be for love. Like, I want to love a woman rightly. I don't want to use a girl. Even if she says she's willing to do that with me, I know I'm not respecting her. I know I'm not respecting her future husband or her father or God, her father. I want to fall in love with this girl for the right reasons. I want our foundation to be built on God and on a solid friendship and real intimacy instead of the passing pleasures that might make us feel united for a half hour. But then where are we at two weeks from then? And so look at your motives. Make sure you're doing it out of love and then surround yourself with the right people. If you're surrounding yourself with guys who are hooking up with girls and getting drunk every other weekend, you tend to see their vices and your virtues. But then if you hang out with people who are actually pursuing a life of virtue, what you will see is their virtues and your vices. And as a result, you'll make much more progress in the interior life. It's like if you're playing sports with third graders all day, you're not going to get real good. But if you're playing with NCAA Division One athletes, you're really going to be playing at the top of your game. Same thing in the life of virtue, hang out with people because you always become like your friends. And then lastly, I'd say only date a girl if you can really see yourself marrying her one day. And if you don't know if she's worth marrying, then you probably haven't dated her long enough, been friends with her long enough. And so make sure she just doesn't like, respect your values, make sure she shares your values as well. And then it eliminates, I mean, temptations are bound to come. Even if you're both on board with chastity, it's still gonna be a battle, but it's a heck of a lot easier if you're both on the same page so that when you're tempted, she can be strong. And let's say she's tempted, you're can be strong. So, you know, so yeah. So one, realize chastity is easier than unchastity. Secondly, look at your motives, making sure you're doing it for the sake of love. You know, three, surround yourself with godly guys and then only choose the data girl if you can really see yourself marrying her, then guard that innocence, the relationship.
0: Mm. Thank you. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I love the uh, analogy too of just surrounding your people with people to help you grow in virtue. I think, yeah, sometimes in college, it seems people like we're so afraid, uh, myself included, at times, you know, like um, there's a lot of pressure of like worrying, I guess, of losing friends. You know, will I lose friends or gain friends? And uh, what can you tell us to like, yeah, encourage people in that? Like, how You, takes- won't, lose,
2: you, won't, you won't lose a single friend, mm. not one friend, because if they're your authentic friend, why would they leave you for you pursuing virtue? If anything, it's going to expose those who aren't your friends. That's not losing a friend. That's realizing you don't actually have one to begin with. You have, might have someone that you share common social interests with, but St. Francis de Sales said that the, the function, the, ver- the purpose of friendship is the mutual perfection of the other. So the closer you get to them, the more you become yourself. That's the function of friendship. It's a false friendship. When you get together, you're not becoming yourself. You're getting away from God. You're falling away from your morals. That's not a friendship, nor is it one worth really keeping. So granted, that can be a a pruning process. It's a difficult and it's a painful process. But through it, you discover who your real friends are. Because if someone's going to abandon you because you want to grow in virtue and you want to wait for your future spouse and you don't want to get drunk every other weekend, like that's not a, that's not a friendship. That's a social arrangement to avoid loneliness, but, but friendship, there's a verse in the old Testament that says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it's a peculiar verse because if someone wounds you, are they really your friend? Well, perhaps. I mean, if they're mugging you, they're, you're not your friend, but if they're your surgeon, yeah, he's going to stick a knife in you. He'll cut you open. He'll take the tumor out. That's a friend. Someone who's willing to inflict an injury to heal Uh, people that are going to call you out on your stuff of like, dude, you got to cut that out. You know, you got to be a better man. You got to don't, don't hang out with those girls. Like, you know where that's going to lead. Like that's a real friend. And that's what you stand to lose. If you don't let go of the authentic friendship or the false friendships, you're clogging up your social life with a lot of time and energy spent on people that aren't helping you to become who God's calling you to be. So yeah, I guarantee you won't lose a single friend. You know, you'll just lose the false friendships.
0: Mm. Thanks so much for that yeah so good so true and uh maria how about some wisdom uh i was
2: just wondering specifically like on relationships um i was wondering how do you think we as college students can deal with like the challenges of being in different stages of our faith journey uh when we get into a relationship like both romantically or just like friendships like yeah i i would caution against missionary dating Uh, I don't have a problem with missionary friendships. That's awesome. But once you start getting romantically involved with someone who that you're not actually content with major red flag, because what you got to look at is kind of like a 10 year forecast of, okay, if the qualities that he has right now, if he still had all those qualities or issues or shortcomings or habits or whatever, 10 years from now, you know, when you're five years into a marriage, would you be content? And if the answer is like, uh, no. You know, because he gets drunk. He looks at porn. He doesn't really pray regularly. If you wouldn't put up within a marriage, don't put it up when you're dating. Just focus on the friendship. And if he changes, great. But the last thing you want to do is invest yourself romantically and emotionally in a relationship, kind of banking this guy's going to change. And there might be seasons of change. You know, and yeah, I'll go on that retreat if you want me to go on it. You start dating who you thought they were or who you'll hope they'll be. And you actually become blind to actually who they are and you can make some disastrous not just dating but marriage decisions because you've invested so much of your heart and time into who you think they're going to eventually evolve into but typically the courtship phase is when a person's on their best behavior. And if their base behavior isn't, frankly, that impressive, don't expect things to change within marriage. So I would say avoid that missionary dating stuff. This is something I'll bring up during the talk I do there that, you know, God bless women, but like your girls are like notoriously guilty for doing this where she's kind of like renovating the guy. It's almost like a, like a home makeover TV show, right? You know, where someone falls in love with this like dilapidated home because they see the investment potential in it. And then she's thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll get new curtains. And it's like, dude, if the guy was a house, he'd be like some dilapidated haunted crack house in Detroit. And she's thinking, oh, but I'll put a swimming pool out back. And, you know, no, 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 no. Date who they are. Marry who they are. Don't commit to people who you hope they'll be or who you thought they were. And that'll just save you unbelievable amounts of heartache.
0: Mm. That's good. You deserve the best. That's right. (laughs) You guys do. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for that clarity, Jason. I love your clarity. Just your straightforwardness. So refreshing. And uh, I know we got to wrap it up here in a minute, but if people want to find out more about you and your ministry, where can they find that?
2: Uh, you just go to chastity.com, which is our website. We have a podcast called Lust is Boring. It's on Spotify, iTunes, and then just on social media on, you know, X or Instagram or Twitter, you know, whatever. And Facebook. Facebook, uh, it's just my name, Jason Everett. On Facebook, it's Jason and Kristalina Everett, so it's kind of long. But, yeah, just go hop on Instagram, type my name, Jason Everett. And uh, we're putting out content almost every single day on Instagram. So that way you've got kind of a, a drip coming in. Uh, of stuff that'll reassure you because you know you hear this message like oh and like you feel strengthened for a while then you go walk out on campus and you see what's going on in the dorms on saturday night on thursday night and it's just like wow am i the odd one out am i the only person here that wants a, a more beautiful pure kind of love you're not the only one in fact they surveyed college students and what they really wanted And most of them just didn't want to hook up. They wanted a traditional romantic relationship, but they admitted, I don't know how to build or find that thing. And so you're not alone in wanting authentic love. So connecting with us, social media, chastity.com, YouTube, um, you'll find a lot of good resources to reinforce you. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, again, uh, Jason will be here on February 22nd. It's a Thursday, 7 p.m. on campus at Miami. And I know we're gonna have some other college uh, friends and folk visiting from around Ohio. Uh, Indiana too. And uh, so, yeah, thank you all for being here. And thank you, especially Jason uh, for your time and uh, and mind leading us out with a prayer.
2: Yeah, sure. And I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, bring friends, like drag 10 people from your dorm and say, look, this is going to be a really neat talk on just dating and and like how to know if it's love or you're getting used and what how to actually build authentic friendships. It's not like some shame fest for a half hour and you know just me the heaping guilt upon everybody. No, this is just going to help you find real love. So like get a bunch of people. That that's what sends people there is just that personal invitation. So it's not going to be like a super duper intensely religious talk. So bring people who might not necessarily sh- ever show up at church because this could kind of be like the gateway drug maybe. that that brings them into that. But yeah, let's wrap up in prayer. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, uh, we ask you to come into our hearts and to the hearts of all those who may be listening or watching to this. Um, We pray that you would already begin to prepare the hearts of those that will come to the presentation and that their hearts would be open to the mercy and healing and a conviction so that they might become the saints that God is calling them to be, that they might discover the vocations He alone has in mind for them. And we entrust all of these things to the spouse of the Spirit, our ladies, we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jason.
2: All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you real soon.
0: All right. God bless. Thanks. Peace.